1: だ意識と to Out of the Blue on this cool, cold, kind of wet Sunday morning. My name's Donna, I'm joined in the studio by FUM and today's show is all about spy cetaceans. Uh, Before we start though, I'd like to acknowledge that the traditional custodians of the land um, 3CR is broadcasting from pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that this land was never ceded. We'll be back very soon with the rest of today's show. Stay tuned, you're listening to 855am 3CR and this is Out of the Blue. Is she
0: an eminate cocktail? Followed by oysterly cures.
1: Welcome back. You are tuned to 855 AM 3CR Community Radio and this is Out of the Blue. I'm Donna and across from me is Farm. Hi, everyone. (laughs) And on the floor is Bonnie, my little Jack Russell, joining us for today's show. Um, We're going to be chatting a little bit about um, a news article that popped up during the week. I am so (laughs) excited about this. I am so excited about this. You have no idea. (laughs) We were just going to do, you know, news headlines today and maybe, you know, um, a little bit of poetry that I found. Um, just have a bit of a chat about our recent adventures, but this one particular news story has just taken over our show today. So I'm going to throw it to Farm, and she's going to introduce it give you a bit of a background on what this is all about. Yeah, well, in this social media age, you may have already heard about
0: it, but uh, in Norway, uh, in the town of Finnmark, which is in the far north of Norway, uh, a few fishermen stumbled upon this beluga whale uh, that was actually wearing a harness and approached the boat asking for food. Um, now, beluga whales are those really beautiful all-white whales. Um, they get quite big. They can, you know, live to 40 to, 40 to 60 years of age as well. And uh, they live around the Arctic Circle, but they do... Uh, swim. They can swim a uh, uh, far away as well. So it was quite unusual, obviously, for one to approach a fishing boat and obviously <laughs> very unusual for it to wear a harness. Um, there's videos online that, that you can Google if you want to see because a fisherman filmed the whole, the whole thing. And um, the harness looked like it could be used for, to mount a camera or possibly, obviously, a weapon. So you know, within minutes, basically, there <laughs> all these um, allegations of uh, Russian Russia, um, who has a few naval bases in the area, uh, training these beluga whales um, to be spies and to be weapons of war. And this one may have escaped. Um, so I'll just um, read out a little bit of that news uh, taken from AFP.com, the French fact-checking service. Um, so more than a week after this beluga whale was first spotted by the fishermen in the Arctic waters of the coast of northern Norway, people still don't know where it comes from. So the origins are still unknown. Um, they called a marine biologist called Jürgen Riewieg, who is working with the Norwegian Directorate of Fisheries, and they tracked down the, uh, the animal again. Uh, on April 26th, and they managed to remove that harness that um, it was wearing. And it had a, a mount suited for this action camera. And it also had the words Equipment St. Petersburg printed on the clasps. So that's pretty interesting, um, you know, because if you're Russia, why would you print it in English? So uh, Wig said that he believed that the whale could have come from neighboring Russia, where he believed it may have, been es- may have escaped an enclosure because it was so calm around humans and it would come up to boats and, and try to engage with people and ask for food. Um, so he supports the theory that the whale could have been trained by the Russian Navy, uh, because it is quite well known that both the US and Russia have trained marine animals before uh, for military purposes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, so because it was so at ease with people around it and the markings on the harness... Um, the Norwegians started speculating immediately that it was a Russian spy. That's actually the first thing that I said when my friend read out this article to me. I'm like, it's Russia. I know it is. (laughs) However, (laughs) Moscow has not issued any official reaction, um, but they did quote an officer in the media um, who has mocked the idea that they could have anything to do with it because he said, well, you know, we're not stupid enough to leave our phone number and our (laughs) calling card on a piece of equipment if we want this animal to be a spy, Uh, which kind of makes sense, right? Some
1: kind of reverse psychology, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Trixie, Trixie.
0: It is true that the Barents Sea, which is that northern sea to the north of Norway, is a strategic geopolitical... Holy moly, (laughs) geopolitical area where Western and Russian submarine movements are monitored. So it is quite well known for, you know, people keeping an eye on each other there. Uh, It's also the gateway to the northern route that shortens maritime routes between the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. So there's a lot of shipping going on there as well. Um, There's a scientist called Dmitry Glazov who works for the uh, Severtsov Institute of Ecology and Evolution of the Russian Academy of Sciences um, who was able to confirm that the Russian Navy had programs involving whales and that they were in part operating out of Murmansk, which is a town there. Um, it is a fact, he says, that the military has these animals. And among other things, they used them during the Sochi Olympics, the Sochi Olympics, um, Glasov said on Monday. Uh, There are also private travel agents around that area who are advertising tours so people can go and meet and dive with the belugas who are kept in enclosures uh, in the White Sea south of the Kola Peninsula. So that is also a a possible uh, place where this animal could have come from. The harness has been uh, transferred to the Norwegian Police Security Service, um, but the communications officer there said it was really unclear whether they would find anything because, you know, it's just that one harness. Um, and so <laughs> the whale is not a suspect in their investigation for now, they said. <laughs> so it doesn't have to come in for questioning. At the moment, um, the latest news is that it's actually still hanging around the harbour. Mm. It is trying to engage with people and fisher people, and... Um, which is kind of, it's a bit of a worry because it it obviously shows you that this whale was in captivity for quite a while. They're not sure if it's hunting on its own as well. So they're not actually sure if it will be able to survive. So people Mm. are feeding it at the moment, um, even though the experts say, please don't, because it needs to start working out how to feed itself, basically. Um, But depending on how long it has been in captivity, you know, we don't really know if it's going to be able to do that. So um, so far, nobody has come forward to claim it, which is quite interesting. Um, there is another theory going around where people are saying that it may have come from um, a place in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the USA because it said equipment oh. in English, uh, where there are known Sea world, And, you know, those kinds of uh, aquariums and things like that that Mm. have belugas. And belugas are known to be able to swim very, very large distances, especially the younger males. However, you would think by now that if somebody was missing their beluga, (laughs) they would have come forward by now. Um, Yeah, I don't know about you, Donna, but if my beluga was missing from my backyard, (laughs) I'd probably put it on Gumtree or something.
1: (laughs) So St. Petersburg... Uh, whereabouts did you say? In Florida. In, in Florida, yeah, okay. Because I was just doing, before we started the show, um, just a bit of research about the history of using um, dolphins and seals and beluga whales and whatnot. Um, and it, yeah, stems back to the 1960s as far as I could see. Um, but the US Navy have a base in on the other side in um, California where they do a lot of this work. So, yeah, several bases perhaps around the country. Yeah, Mm. it has
0: been speculated that the beluga may not have come from Mm -hmm. St. Petersburg in in the area where it was found because belugas don't actually do really well up that end when it's really, really cold because it does Mm. get to minus one in the seawater in winter and it's actually really too cold for belugas really. Mm. So um, they don't think that those animals are suitable for that area so they wouldn't have been procured for you know, working there with the Russians. Uh, however, they do use uh, seals there. And that is quite fascinating. I mean, hearing this story, it really made us dive deeply into this phenomenon. <laughs> oh, of, of you know, a bad pun. Good <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but bad. I know. It's got <laughs> to have an ocean pun on an ocean show, right? We're not watering so. them down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, man, you are officially the funniest person on the radio, Donna. <laughs> I've got your seal of approval, thanks. You really do, yeah. (laughs) Um, So the Russians have been known to train seals who are perfectly adapted to that area to help out with all kinds of things, not just military operations, but also um, things like helping underwater divers as like a little dive team when people have to work at depth. Um, Seals can um, keep an eye out for them. They can go and retrieve tools and bring tools from the surface and back. Uh, and things like that. So it's really, really interesting to kind of dive into that whole world of mm. of that animal training.
1: Yeah, the U.S. Navy in 1965 had a um, program, call or experiment, if you will, called Sea Lab Two. There were three of them: Sea Lab One, Two, and Three. Um, particularly this one, they used a dolphin called Tuffy who participated in that program, and it was basically an underwater lab about 59, 60 meters below sea level with um, divers in there, and they were testing. Um, uh, how, um, oh, what's it called? Like a. Deep diving on, not on oxygen, but other...
0: Oh, like, it, nitroxen, uh, like yeah, kind of and like helium and all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like mixed, um, mixed gases, basically.
1: That's it, yeah, yeah. And how that went in preventing bends and effects of compression and whatnot on divers. Um, yeah, and they had this dolphin that they trained called Tuffy and it would send messages between the sea lab and the surface and it located a lost diver at one point as well. It retrieved things, it took supplies... Um, yeah, all up, it was the Sea Lab was there for around three weeks. Oh, yeah, and they also
0: uh, Tuffy was also trained as a combat dolphin. Actually, mm. um, because I read somewhere that it was uh, shipped to um, detect sea mines in the Gulf War. Oh,
1: yes. So they, right. they
0: shipped it over to the uh, to Iraq um, and all in the waters of the port of uh, Umm Qasr. I don't know mm. if I pronounced that right. Um, that dolphin
1: diffused more than a hundred mines. So that's pretty epic. Mm. It is. And they've also been known to um, oh, do various things, not just, yeah, not just mines, but looking for, yeah, retrieving items, um, protecting bays, I think you were telling me yeah. earlier yeah. today. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's this really amazing story. So I, I came on this Russian website <laughs> while researching this story, uh, which is always fun. So I pressed Google Translate and it translated it all into uh, into English, which is always hilarious. But I got the gist of it. And there was a, um, a researcher who is actually involved in training some of the animals that the Russians are using for military operations. And um, what they did up in the north is they trained... Uh, dolphins to use their sonar to protect the harbour where those military bases are located. Um, Because dolphins obviously have quite a large range with their sonar and nothing escapes it. If they are trained to protect that harbour and by constantly looking for divers, uh, submarines, that sort of thing, and then report back uh, immediately if something's going on, uh, that is an amazingly valuable Resource mm-hmm. and um, there's this really great story that one of those trainers told where uh, they were doing military operation trainings and what happens when they do that is they'll they'll pitch you know like a team of special ops a team of special forces and they'll they'll tell them you need to take that navy base and then obviously the navy base is being told you know you might get invaded some someday. Um, without any of the details and they'll just have to work it out. And, you know, and it's it's kind of a game, but, you know, proper training. Mm. <laughs> but so the Navy SEALs were, I'll just call them Navy SEALs because it's just <laughs> funny, went into the harbour. The human SEALs went into the harbour. But what they did not know was that bald-nosed dolphins were already there detecting them, sending the signal to the military base, which then opened the pens that had trained SEALs in them to go and attack those divers. Within about five minutes of those seal cages being opened, those divers were running away, climbing out of the water onto the boats, screaming like little people. Crazy. Uh, because they did not see that coming. And mm. so it, it proved that it was a massively <laughs> effective way of, you know, scaring people away, really. Yeah. Um, unfortunately also sometimes dolphins get trained to actually kill the divers as Mm. well so there was there are dolphins that are trained to not just raise the alarm but then also um, tell the people what kind of threat it is and if they are divers they get this like muzzle with a a spike on it and are basically just told to kill which is you know one of the Mm. one of the uh, pretty bad parts about this kind of training I guess yeah
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of ethical considerations, I think, when, you know, we're kind of joking about this and, um, yeah, this whole story being, you know, covert missions and mammals and, you know, doing crazy things on behalf of people. But, yeah, there's a whole huge, you know, scary ethical consideration in getting animals um, to do this. We know they're smart, we know they're intelligent and we exploit them to Take part in our wars, which is really kind of horrendous. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: in the sense of uh, killing people. Yeah, I mean, mm. you know, training those animals to help rescue <clears throat> people at sea. Mm. You know, totally different story, obviously. And, mm. and the US has five different naval bases where where dolphins and seal uh, sea lions are being trained also for those purposes. But when you read stories like that, you know, and you're asking a dolphin mm. to kill a person. Yeah, um, and we know about their intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a massive ethical thing. And, yeah. Um, Didn't you say, Donna, before that in the US they have to abide by some international guidelines when it comes to using these animals for these kind of work?
1: Yeah, on the US Navy Marine Mammal Mammal Program website they kind of outline the different protocols that they're abiding by um, and specifically specifically that they use uh, positive reinforcement and that's all. So it's not that negative, you know, shocking or... Um, anything yeah, like no that punishment they don't use yeah. punishment for the training yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. well I, I wonder what the ethics are about you know getting dolphins to kill people but mm. I guess Russia may not have signed up to those <laughs> guidelines <laughs> not sure not, not sure not what's sure. going on there so we're going to go to a song you are on 3CR out of the blue with Donna and Farm it's Sunday the 5th of May and we will be right back with more stories about pinnipeds and marine mammals in the army
1: I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. You are indeed and I'm Donna and across from me is Fum, and right now I am going to do a little promo for Radiothon. Yay! That is the sound of <laughs> all your coins donating to our show. Oh my God, that was epic. <laughs> that was such a cool little sound grab. Um, So... 3CR's annual Radiothon is coming up in a few weeks from the 3rd to the 16th of June. Um, Power Radical Radical Radio is our theme this year and we'll be bringing you a lot more information about our upcoming uh, Out of the Blue fundraiser where we raise funds for the station, keep us all on air, keep our radical voices on the airwaves. So lots more to come, just a quick heads up about Radiothon coming up in June. Fun, a little bit more more about (laughs) the beluga whale.
0: Well, you know, I can talk about this stuff forever, so I won't bore you too much. But um, (laughs) what I did want to mention was that obviously somebody had opened a poll to name the beluga whale, since it's still hanging around and now people are playing with it and it's bringing back rings and frisbees and things like that. So, beluga
1: beluga face. Oh, my
0: God, no, that was not the one. No. Although I am pretty sure <laughs> that it would have been in the poll somewhere, possibly in Norwegian. <laughs> um, yeah, no, mm. they called it Valdimir because Aval means, and I probably botched that up really badly, but Aval <laughs> means whale in Norwegian and they made a pun, you know, to sort of like... Mm call it Havaldimir so that it has the Russian connection in it oh, because people okay. still believe it's a spy. Oh uh, which gosh. is which is so quite epic. <laughs> yeah. So Valdimir, um, we will be tracking this story throughout the next few weeks. Hopefully somebody will come and claim poor Havaldimir and bring it back to its people. It's poor Beluga people mm. who must be missing him. Um yeah. We'll Ooh. we'll keep an eye keep an eye on the Facebook page. I'll be I'll be posting some more articles as more news comes out. Awesome.
1: Yeah, this is definitely um, Captured Farms' imagination, this story. <laughs> it's so you know, It's wearing a harness, but I'm dreaming
0: of putting like a saddle on, <laughs> like bringing it home to
1: Australia. Oh, it's really fascinating. Um, we'll switch up to some news now, some other news from around the world um, or from Australia, this one. So um, an antidote has been discovered for the world's most venomous creature, the Australian box jellyfish. Researchers at the University of Sydney have found an antidote for the sting of the jellyfish, which carries enough venom to kill more than 60 people. Using genome editing, pain researchers at the university's Charles Perkins Centre found a molecular antidote that blocks the symptoms of a box jellyfish sting if applied to skin within 15 minutes. So to do this, researchers took millions of human cells and knocked out a different human gene in each one before adding the jellyfish venom and looking for cells that survived the process. The researchers believe the drug, which is safe for human use and is already available, will stop necrosis, skin scarring and pain completely when applied to the skin, but further research is needed to find out whether it will stop a heart attack. The findings were published in the Nature Communications Journal and I put a link to that one on our um, Out of the Blue Facebook page. So just search Out of the Blue um, on Facebook if you want to get all these news stories that we mentioned throughout our shows.
0: Can you actually can you actually become immune to box jellyfish venom? Hmm. If it doesn't kill you, I mean, because I, oh, I got to share this story. It was so wacky. Um, back in the day when I was still doing an internship for marine biology, I was living in Townsville and I was um, interning at Reef HQ, which is the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority's aquarium
1: mm.
0: uh, in Townsville. And we, when the season was right, we would have one of the aquariums as a box jellyfish display. And so one day <laughs> I was there in the lab. And this guy comes in and he was he was something else. Um, One of those, you know, like Wild West Queenslander people (laughs) with really super tanned brown leathery skin. You can't really tell how old he was because he could have been, you know, 80 or he could have been like 45, but just spent a lot of time in the sun um, wearing super short shorts, like ridiculously short um, and with this wild <laughs> glint in his eye, and and he came in and he said, "Oh, where do you want me to put these jellies, Miss?" Great accent. And <laughs> and, um, and he was carrying this massive bucket full of box jellyfish. And apparently, Whoa. he was the guy who, you know, was always out there on his little tinny fishing, mm. and uh, would every year he would catch these box <laughs> jellies. And and I said, "Oh, wow, that, that's amazing." And they weren't huge, you know, they they fit in the box, but they're definitely box jellies. Mm and he grabbed one by the by the head by the hood and he said oh yeah yeah you know i've been doing this for so many years watch this and he sticks out his hand no his way. arm and he slaps this box jellyfish tentacles first onto the soft part of his lower arm of his bottom arm so like the you know the soft bit uh, around the wrist and the um, up to the elbow and he just slaps mm. those tentacles up there and i was ready to call you know, triple zero, yeah. and he just stood there smiling like a maniac, and like cackling, saying like, oh, yeah, no worries. I've been doing this for years. Wow. They don't get me. So I'll never forget that. I thought he was going to collapse in front mm. of me, but he just, you know, hopped out back into his tinny yeah, and, right. and disappeared into the sunset. It was almost mythical.
1: Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> so I mean, if you
0: know anything about Box Jellyfish, please do get in touch with us on the Out yeah. of the Blue Facebook page because I would love to know if you mm. can build up a resistance yeah. against a venom.
1: Or if you're that guy. If that you're I'm that met. guy, if you if are still alive,
0: guy. please contact me. This was 2004, so maybe, you know, an kanji may have gotten him by now. But if it's not, please do contact me. I would
1: love to know. Oh, man. Um, maybe it was just a leather skin that protected him. Well, it like, would not surprise me. Yeah. yeah just he, kind was, of, he was made out of leather,
0: that man. He was
1: tough as nails. Oh, my gosh. Those people. <laughs> That's the true Queenslander.
0: It was lovely.
1: Oh, man. Uh, That's pretty much all we've got time for on today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've been listening to Out of the Blue on 855 AM 3CR Community Radio. You can find us online. You can listen to our show again at www.3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. Um, uh, We've also got a podcast, a Facebook page and...
0: Radiothon.
1: Radiothon coming up. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Next up is Sally with Out of the Pan.